We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince Daddario. That way, that is Ryan Roberts. And uh, th- we are actually, we are on day three of jury duty watch for Brian Driscoll. So he is uh, still doing his civic duty today. Uh, so you're stuck with Ryan and I. And uh, we are today going to talk about the fourth quarter of the schedule. So Brian and I have done three other shows. We talked about the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. We break up the season into quarters, essentially. So three games, three games, three games, three games. We haven't done the fourth quarter game yet. So that is today. Ryan and I are going to talk about the last three games of the season. So you've got a neutral site. Well, technically it's an away game against Navy, but it's a neutral site game. It's usually in Baltimore. I believe that is where it is again this year uh, at the Raven Stadium, right? Yep, yep, and, it is. Yep. And then they come home for senior day against Boston College, and then they go on the road to finish things out in Southern Cal against USC. So we will be talking about those three games, how it affects the schedule and all of those fun things. But before we get started, just go ahead and hit the like button now. Go ahead and subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you know what time we're going to be here. One o'clock is basically going to be our baseline here for the summertime. We're not beholden to my school schedule anymore so uh one o'clock seems to work out pretty well for everybody so one o'clock is going to be the the normal time of the show here moving forward in the summer and then of course we will have some night shows periodically and then when sean comes on full time there's gonna be a night show monday through thursday so uh a lot of fun a lot of excitement moving forward and uh so but ryan how are you today sir I'm good, man. So far, I think I may have the uh, the technical issues figured out. So knock on wood here. I think, <laughs> I think, I think it's going to be a good show today. I'm excited about it. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt about that. So um, so let's just jump in here. I, I mentioned before that Brian and I had done the first three shows, breaking down the first three quarters of the season. We, I, we came out of the first two quarters basically saying Notre Dame is going to be one of two things. They're, they're either going to be 5-1 and one or they're going to be 6-0. and oh. And, of course, that has to do with the Ohio State game. You know, there were some trap games in there, of course, you know, that you know maybe they stumble here or there. But I felt pretty confident that they're either going to be 5-1 and one or 6-0. and oh. Then you get into the third quarter, and, you know, you've got Clemson sitting there in that third quarter. You've got UNLV. you got Syracuse. you got Clemson in that third quarter. Clemson is obviously the big one. Could they lose that game? Of course they could. So I think you're looking at three options coming out of the third quarter. Undefeated, one loss, or two losses. I I would be shocked if it was more than two losses coming out of the third quarter. Uh, But I want to get your thoughts on anything, anywhere you want to go with the first three quarters of the season, what you think the record might be, how it lays out for Notre Dame, whatever you want to go with, the floor is open to you, sir. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you're looking the, – the big breaking point in the season is obviously Ohio State and Clemson, right? Like those are the yeah. two premier games. So I think 
I think the best case is obviously that you are able to go two and zero in that series. But even if you split in there, right, and you go into this final stretch at a uh, a nine, what an eight and one record at that point, right? I think you're setting yourself up for a pretty good opportunity because, I mean, let's be frank about it. Dependent upon if USC is a legitimate team or not, it's not the hardest last three game schedule, right? So. Sure. The the main thing that I'm looking at, Vince, is like throughout this throughout this schedule that I kind of have up here, it's like you have so many different styles of offenses that yeah. you're playing. I mean, you're taking a look at Ohio State, which is going to be, you know, more spread dictated, more of a, 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 a more of a pro style spread comparative to like what Clemson's been running. But we don't know what to expect from Clemson. You're going to see Dino Babers and a little bit of the air raid in the Syracuse game in this last quarter you're going to see a little bit of the triple option obviously with navy you're going to see a pro style team in boston college so many different styles of teams which makes it really interesting but i think you're going to go into the stretch at worst i think it's going to be seven and two but i think you could be eight and one heading into this final stretch and hopefully not no but i mean just a realistic outlook for it we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Absolutely. And I think a split is... is realistic uh, of those two games. So going one and one would obviously put them at eight and one. And I think that that's very realistic, especially going into the final three games. And if you look at, again, it is June 2nd. So there are certainly questions about all of these teams, Notre Dame included, that we don't have answers to yet. I mean, a a lot of them. So is North Carolina going to be as good as some people think that they're going to be having to replace their quarterback who's now in the NFL? You know, it, it can BYU bounce back and I shouldn't say bounce back, but continue what they've been doing the last couple of years, right? Um, you know, there, there's a ton of question marks out there. And if you look at the quarters, right? If you're if you're looking at the three game stretches, I I think you could make an argument that this final quarter, this final fourth quarter, is the toughest of the four quarters. If you're looking at the compete level the talent level of the teams that are in the quarter I you could make an argument for the second quarter because you've got BYU and North Carolina in there those teams Mm -hmm. are you know I would say better than average right sure and Stanford is kind of a toss-up not really sure what you're going to get from Stanford they haven't been good lately but they had a decent you know could they be decent so that could be a three-game stretch where you're at least playing decent teams because I think the other quarters, you know, you've got stinkers in there like Cal, UNLV, you know, what are we going to get from Syracuse? They've all got the big game in there. They got the Clemson, you got the Ohio State, you know, you got the big games, but then the other two kind of fall by the wayside for me in a lot of these quarters. So could this fourth quarter be the most competitive? Now, Navy is not a good football team. They haven't been a good football team for the last couple of years. So I'm not counting them, but Boston College, you know, Phil Jakovic. Coming back to Notre Dame Stadium, there's going to be a whole lot surrounding that. Plus, you add in the fact that it's senior day, last home game for these guys. 
and then you go out to Southern Cal. So what are they going to be in the last game of the season? That's a huge question mark right now, right? So what do you think about this being potentially the toughest quarter of the season down the stretch? Yeah, I would say that the give the give me games, I guess, is what we're going to call them, right? Like in that first stretch where you have like a Marshall, for instance. Marshall has been competitive at points, but I mean, they're breaking in a new quarterback, obviously, with Grant Wells transferring to Virginia Tech. You look at a UNLV team has been down for a long time, man. Like they just have not been right. in the program at all. And it, I mean, I guess in the last stretch that we're talking about, Navy at Baltimore, Boston College at home, and then going out to US, uh, USC in L.A., I would say that obviously Navy is the give me game, but even in that one, there's rivalry there, right? Like there's a tradition to that game. You know, Navy's going to come to that game. They're going to play a tough game. Like there's no doubt about it. So I agree to the subscription that maybe not the best team is in this stretch, but I think the worst team is better than maybe any other worst team right. as far as the quarters are broken up. So I, yeah. I can definitely get on board with that. Yeah. And I, and I feel like the second best team, might be the best second best team. You know what I mean? Uh, and but again, I think I think it's either a boom or bust with USC. They're either going to be pretty darn good this year and and have a yep. decent record going into that final let's well, final game for Notre Dame. I don't believe it's a final game for them. Mm-hmm. Um they're either going to be pretty darn good or it's going to be a dumpster fire. Like I don't know that there's any in between for USC. Now maybe I'm wrong and maybe I'm projecting and hoping that that's the case. Um yeah, but I just don't know that there's going to be a much of an in between for USC. And right now, obviously, people are projecting that USC is going to be really good. Um, everybody thinks that they're going to be good, at least from yeah. what I've seen. And I, I don't necessarily believe that, but they they're going to have a bunch of talent, at least at the skill positions. Well, no, they're. I mean, they're going to be incredibly talented at the skill positions. But as Brian pointed out the other day, when is USC not actually talented at the skill positions? Right. Cool. I mean, I think. No, good point. I think the difference is that Caleb Williams is is an obvious upgrade over what Keaton Slovis has been the last couple of years. I liked Slovis as a freshman, but he just has regressed over the last couple of years. I think that's partly due to the the coaching staff that was there with Clay Helton. I think that's partly due to just a little bit of injuries from his shoulder in, in that instance. So you're going to upgrade the quarterback position. I'll say this, Vince. I actually just posted a clip on Twitter this morning. The My, my main hiccup to giving USC any type of like expectations for being that good is man, I watched Isaiah Foskey and Jason Adam Malola just, just like destroy that offensive line, man. It was <laughs> awful last year, and you're only bringing yeah. back like one guy. And I understand that addition by subtraction is sometimes good, but you can't talk me into that that offensive line is going to be great in 2022. Right. Like you just can't. And then that defense too. I mean, you get Shane Lee over from USC, who's a, a linebacker that's played a little bit, but otherwise, I mean, you lost Drake Jackson. You, you're betting on a lot of unproven talent on the defensive side of the football. And I honestly, and I've been very consistent on this. I'm not a big Alex Grinch fan. I'm not like, I, I think that the chaos approach is fine. I can respect some aspects of it, but I just, I, I just can't get behind it. Cause it's just so fundamentally unsound. So you, you're depleted at offensive line to enter the year and your defense is a big question mark too. So those th- two things usually together are not the recipe for success. Yeah. I think I think ultimately they're probably a eight and four type of team. So I think they definitely are better than the four and eight they were last year. But I'm I'm not buying them to being a legitimate team this year. I think it's gonna be a couple years from now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't um eight and four would be, I think I think you could spin eight and four. If you're a USC fan, if you follow USC or whatever, you could spin eight and four to be a very positive thing. Uh, especially how that eight and four comes about, because I do agree with somebody in the chat that's saying the PAC 12 is not going to be great. And and I agree with that. The PAC 12 is not great. And, and, you know, who's their main competition in the PAC 12 right now, Oregon, maybe Uh, UCLA, I think is on the rise potentially with Chip Kelly. Um, But the PAC 12, there's not a whole lot of substance out there. So, you know, they're oh, Utah. Can't forget Utah. They were really good last year. I don't know what they have coming back. I have not. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be a good team. Utes uh, at all. <laughs> oh, no, you're not, you're, not, you're not an avid Utah follower? <laughs> I am not. I am not. Um, but, you know, so there'll be competition, obviously. But again, the, the, their schedule is going to be predicated on the Pac 12, and the Pac 12 is not going to be that great. So, depending on how that eight and four comes about, I think you can, if you're Lincoln Riley, you could spin eight and four to be a super positive thing. And I'm sure that that's, I mean, he'll try to spin whatever happens to be a super positive thing. Obviously that's what he does. Um, But 
they're going to have a ton of talent. The trenches are going to be their downfall. There's no question about it in my mind. And that's where Notre Dame's strength is. So you would, you know, you're going to give Notre Dame if we're, if we're doing the whole advantage game thing, right? Like we do going into a, to a game, you know, the advantage goes to Notre Dame in the trenches. There's just in, in both run games. And you could even say in the past game because of the trenches. So um, I, I do feel very confident in Notre Dame winning that game. I just feel like, my issue with that game is, do they look past USC? Is that even possible? You know, because it's a rivalry game and all of those things. If they're down, if they're going into that game, what? I, I assume they have, I haven't looked at their schedule. If, they, if they're going into that game, they've got one, maybe one after that. So if they go into that game, you know, eight and three or eight and two, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, that's, they're going to be ranked. You know, they're going to yeah. be ranked. It's going to be a ranked opponent. You don't want to look past that game, but if they're like a 500 team, then they could bite you potentially because you're like, ah, it's 500 teams, no big deal. You know, that kind of, that's what worries me about the USC game. Yeah, a little bit. I I mean, I I have to feel that some of these, because I definitely get your premise, but I I would say that Notre Dame gets up for USC, right? Like that's, that's, I mean, you, yeah, you would certainly hope so. That is still a. That is still a rivalry for Notre Dame, obviously. So I would think that even if they are a six and six, four and eight, or whatever they're, I mean, obviously they wouldn't be six and six because they only be going in their tenth game. If they, but if they're right. a six and three team, uh, you know, a seven and two team, or whatever the case might be going into that game, I would I would hope that Notre Dame would still be able to get up for it, even if they're not the best best team. But I, I agree with you for your first premise that. Eight and four, nine and three. I think John Christoffic said it in the chat. Like, I think that that would be a very solid turnaround for for USC because again, they went four and eight last year. That's a plus right. four, plus five turnaround. That's Even a if huge you, turnaround, yeah. I mean, ridiculously big, right? And it, yeah, it's yeah. it's especially for the first year with Lincoln Riley and the excitement there. You can definitely sell that we had a four win or five win improvement from sure. the last year of Clay Helton to the first year of Lincoln Riley. And you can spin that on the recruiting trail in the just perception of college football trail too. So yeah, I think USC is going to be a tough game. Like it always is traditionally. Like I, I, I don't think that it's going to be a pushover, but I'm just not buying into yeah. USC being USC that people are acting like they're going to be this year. Well, I'm looking at their schedule and it, I mean, I do believe that it is a pretty soft schedule. They're, they're getting the Notre Dame ACC treatment. Uh, it feels like as I, as I look through here, you, they open with rice at home then they go to Stanford, and you would think that that would be a win. You would think. <laughs> you would hope. Yeah. Um, so potentially two and zero there. Fresno State uh, at home. Who's not a bad team? Like not that's a, a bad sneaky team. team. They have Agreed. they have Jake Hayner coming back at quarterback. Jalen Cro- uh, Copper, like a Cropper, excuse me. It's it's a game that USC should win, and it's going to be on. If- National TV too. It's going to be on Fox. So yeah, you know. I, I just I don't think that that's a give me game for them. Like, sure. I think that they have to play well to beat Fresno State. I really do. Then they go on the road to Oregon State. They who's, a, who's, who's an improving team. They should sure. win that game, but it's they're an improving team. Yeah, Arizona State at home should beat them. Washington State at home should beat them. Utah on the road. That's going to be a tough game for them. I would very say. tough game. Yeah, very tough I, game. that's going to be a tough one. Then they got Arizona on the road. They've sure. got Cal at home, uh, sure. Colorado at home. Sure. Then they go to UCLA. Which is a tougher game than people think. Yeah, I think that's a tough game as well. And then they they actually close it out with Notre Dame. So Notre Dame is their final game of the season pending the Pac-12 championship of game appearance. Um, but, I mean, they you know, I think potential losses, you're looking at UCLA, you're looking at Utah, you're looking at Fresno State. Maybe Oregon State. I if they have more than three or four losses going into the season, I, that's going to be a tough. I, I don't think that they, you know, I, I think they've lived under expectations at that point. You know what I mean? And then you've got Notre Dame, of course, and we'll chalk that up as a loss too. So you're looking at four or five losses there if they lose all of those games. So, right. um, but but you're right. It's still an X game improvement over what they did last year as a four win team. So. Um, yep. You know, Lincoln Riley get the spin machine going, and they'll they'll be okay. But um, and then Evans, I I really dislike USC. I truly do. Oh, like I'll put that out in the universe. But I do <laughs> want USC to be a good competitive program because it, it makes everyone better. We've so. talked about that in the past a bunch, Brian and I, about how 
if you want Notre Dame to be good, if you want them, you know, if you want eyeballs on Notre Dame all the time, then their competition needs to be good too. They're never going to drop the USC game. They're not. They're not going to drop the USC game ever, I don't think. And I'm fine with that. I think USC is their biggest rival, or one of their big, at, at the very least, top two. Okay. Um, I don't want to see them drop USC. So having USC be good is only good for Notre Dame because then that win actually means something. So I, I'm with you. And I think also when USC is good, they're in a huge market. Obviously, it's the second largest market in America. So you want that market. You want USC to be good. When USC was good in the 2000s, that was a big deal. You know, that was a really, really big deal. People were actually staying up to watch Pac-12 games. You know what I mean? That's not really the case these days. And you right. can somehow watch every game that's out there if you're willing to put forth the bucks, right? Mm-hmm. When somebody's good on the West Coast, and I would, I would say I want USC to be that team, if USC is really good, that's good for college football, number one, and it's good for Notre Dame, number two. And so I want USC to be good because it makes it even sweeter when Notre Dame kicks their butt. So I, I'm all about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And one of the other big things, Vince, obviously, we know that Notre Dame's a national brand. So p- even people that don't like Notre Dame are going to be watching most of these games. But, yep. I mean, the three biggest games that people are definitely going to be paying attention to from a national perspective are Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. So you're going to hope – that USC is a relevant team. Like you want all three of those teams to be good teams. So it would be a good victory. The perception wise, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want to roll into the Coliseum and play and play a USC team that is three and eight or whatever they are. Right. The six, like a 500 team. Like you want them to be a really good football team because the perception matters from a national perspective. And whether you hate Notre Dame or not, and you decide that you do not want to watch any Notre Dame games because you hate the brand and you hate this and you hate that, whatever. You're going to watch the Notre Dame USC game. Absolutely. Again, it's their traditional rival. They've been playing USC since Newt Rockney, right? So it's a big game no matter what. And I have family members who went to USC. So for me, I love this game because there's bragging rights on the line. So I love the USC game personally. They're a team that I love to hate. So, uh, but I will say this it's a different kind of hate than Michigan for me. I actually have respect for USC fans. I, I really do. I, I have I have respect for that fan base. It's a respectful rivalry. It's a rivalry that I enjoy. Um, so yeah, I, I the USC game is a big one for me. I I do enjoy it uh, very much. So with without the Michigan game, a year by year basis, right? Like that's that's the game now. That's yes. that's the big rivalry, obviously. So yeah, I, I agree. Completely. So let's jump from one rivalry to the other. We're kind of going backwards here, but you got to follow along with us here, folks. Um, So we kind of started talking about USC. That's the big one in the fourth quarter, no doubt about that. Um, I I think that's probably going to be the toughest test for Notre Dame uh, in this this, uh, little stretch here, the fourth quarter. So let's jump back to the beginning, and we'll go from one kind of a rivalry to another kind of a rivalry. Let's talk about Navy. This, again... For those of you, I know people want to drop the Navy series. It's never going to happen, and I'm totally fine with that because I respect the history behind it. Um, So you've got Navy. They have not been a very good football team over the last few years at all. Uh, That's disappointing to me. I do like uh, Ken Niamatololo uh, from what I can gather from him. I can't remember what Brian's opinion on him is. I for some reason, it's to me. I don't think he likes him, but I don't want to put that out there, and I don't remember why it is. So, I I've, always, I've, I've always liked him. That was a great pronunciation, too. by the way. Thank so you. glad I didn't have to do that, man. I, <laughs> I would have butchered that all the way, but I, I think he's done a pretty good job for the most part at Navy. Um, I do too. And and yeah. and look, coaching at Navy is you're 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 <clears throat> attempting to put you know round pegs and in, in square holes and all of these different things, right? So it's very difficult to coach at Navy but you can get a lot out of coaching at Navy. Okay. When you're talking about the, the, the men that you're coaching and they're going to do whatever it takes and they're going to, you know, all of those. And I don't even want to call them cliches because they're not cliches. They're facts, right? Um, you know, those are the guys that are going to be defending our country, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is the talent gap is so wide that you obviously have to run the triple option. And there's all these different things yep. that you have to do. And I know Brian hates, <clears throat> excuse me, the triple option. I get it. But when the triple option, and I will say this, 
to Brian's face, and I've said it before, when the triple option is running smoothly and correctly and you've got a guy at quarterback who can run that offense, it's like a ballet. Like, it is it's beautiful. beautiful. I'm sorry. It it's it beautiful. Is. That that was such a that was such a high school thing to say, Vince. But I'm there with you, man. I know I it is. for a long time, and I I loved playing against the triple option. Man. It, <laughs> it is it like you said, if you can't watch Navy from a few years ago and respect what Keenan Reynolds or Ricky Dobbs did as far as like the orchestrators of yes. the triple option, I mean, th- is Brian going to tell us that he's a that he's a football purist and he doesn't like the triple option? Is that actually going to happen right now? He hates it, man. He hates it. He hates the triple option. He hates that stuff. And I get it. I understand why. I, I I totally understand it. But to be the quarterback in a triple option, you you've got to be really good. Um, you, you've got to you have to be able to read defenses at a split second notice. You know, it ha- it just runs so fluid when when you know what you're doing at the quarterback position. And your your triple option is only as good as the quarterback because the fullback's doing one thing, the running you know the the wingbacks are doing another. It's all predicated on the quarterback, and if he's got some wheels and he's got some brains and he's got reaction time, and if he can throw it even a little bit, that option is 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 really really good. So I enjoy watching the triple option when it's run properly. Um, and unfortunately for Navy, it's just been blown up against Notre Dame in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the case when you've just got meat and speed on defense. It just it will blow up the option and Notre Dame has done a really good job of that over the past few years. Um, And I don't see that changing anytime soon. I don't see, or I have not heard that Navy has, you know, a stud quarterback, you know, coming up the ranks as far as being able to run that triple option. And then of course you go to the other side of the ball and Navy's defense is always outnumbered against, you know, Notre Dame's offense. And I think that could be even a wider gap this year. So this is not a game that either one of us is worried about. You go on the road, you're playing in an NFL stadium. Notre Dame's used to that anyway. Um, I don't want to say this is a it, – it's not a bye week. You still got to prepare for it. You know, they, they bring guys in on on uh, preferred walk-on, you know, situations, some scholarship times to run the triple option against Notre Dame. And there's a reason that they do that. They are well coached. Mm-hmm. This game just falls in Notre Dame's favor every – you know, for the foreseeable future, especially – if Navy's going to be down. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Navy is down right now. I know, I know Notre Dame has lost to Navy in the pretty recent future, um, pretty recent past, but this should not be a contest to be very yeah. honest. I think the one tough part, and I know we talked about this a little bit before the show Vince is the, the one thing that is a little tricky is that you're going from Clemson who should be, who was more of a college spread type of system. I imagine they'll be somewhat similar, maybe different to a degree, but you imagine you'll still want to get those athletes in space and do, and, you know, work through that type of nuance that you have. And then the week after Navy, (laughs) you have Boston college. Who's a very pro style system, right? Like you're going to see multiple tight ends, George Takis. You're going to see that type of profile. So you are seeing, very different things right around yeah. having to prepare from the triple option, which is going to make it tough from just a preparation perspective, which is always the tough part about Navy because you have to, you know, give, give time in the preseason to working against the triple mm-hmm. option and assignment, 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 and all that type of stuff. But that's the one thing that has me not concerned, just something to pay attention to. Sure. But I agree. The talent gap, I mean, the game should not be close for very long in this game. Well, and, and, you know, the Navy week, it's always nice to have a bye in front of Navy or, or something along those lines. Notre Dame's bye week is the first weekend of October, and they play Navy on November 12th. So there, there's no bye situation for Notre Dame going into the Navy week, and it's coming off the Clemson game. So you're right. From a stylistic standpoint, going from the air raid of Syracuse to pro-style Clemson to triple option Navy back to pro-style Boston College, Back to Air Raid USC. <laughs> Welcome to Notre Dame, ladies and gentlemen. Like th- th- <laughs> this is not something that other schools really have to deal with, and I think it goes under, you know, under the radar. I guess um, from a national standpoint, that when you don't play in a conference, you're going to see all kinds of different offenses, and you're going to have to prepare for all kinds of different things throughout the season. And this is a perfect example. From Syracuse to USC, 
who knew that you would you would be bookend with uh, air raid offense offenses, and then in the middle you've got two pro style spreads and a triple option like that right. only happens at Notre Dame. That's a really really good point, Ryan. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. Honestly, I think the bigger I don't. Uh, all right, so Notre Dame has an, uh, should overmatch them on both sides of the football, but absolutely with, with Maris Loyfal coming back and that speed that's going to be increased on the second level now with his, his return, I can't see Navy doing much offensively, man. Like they're trying to, right. Right. they're trying to, you know, they're going to give the give the you know either hand it off to the fullback or they're going to keep it for for the triple option. But if you're stressed, if you're str- if your defensive tackles and inside linebackers are playing good good fundamental football and you're able to string this team to the sideline to the pitch man i mean the the safeties that you have now the rovers the outside line the linebackers there's a lot of speed on the second and third level of this team coming into the year so i think if you're just assignment sounds you are going to make this team extremely uncomfortable absolutely and then you know then you talk about spreading out for notre dame offensively get it into the hands of your of your playmakers and things of that nature you're just going to outclass Navy's defense. That's the thing. And and Navy predicates itself on holding onto the football, time of possession, making sure their defense isn't on the field because more often than not, their defense is going to be outclassed. And I, I don't mean that in a negative fashion. I just mean that, you know, you're, you've got guys that shouldn't be on the same field as each other. You know what I mean? And And that just is what it is. So they want to keep the defense and the other team's offense off the field. So they want to possess the ball. So if Notre Dame can force three and outs and they can stretch the ball, like you said, and stay assignment sound within the box, you know, the, the game's going to be over very, very soon. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, we don't need to spend a ton of time on Navy. Uh, obviously, we will spend more time on Navy as we move into that week. Um, but I think we can both say that as far as the quarter is concerned, this is a great way to start the fourth quarter especially coming off what is to be expected, uh, an emotional either win or loss against Clemson and everything that's going to be hyped up leading up to that game. Yep. I just, the only thing I don't want to see is a letdown going into Navy and they're going to be, they're going to have to be laser focused because of the offense. And I think that can actually benefit Notre Dame, excuse me, going into that game because, okay, guys, we got to focus on the triple option. Something we don't see. We see it once a year, et cetera, et cetera. So they're going to have to be locked in after the Clemson game. And they're going to have to flush whatever happened, win or loss. You've got to flush that and you've got to move forward with Navy. But again, the talent gap is so wide that I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think those games against Navy and even like the UNLV, some of the easier games on the schedule, for me, those are going to be huge indicators of this team, not from a competitive perspective, but from a coaching perspective right because we've seen in the past and we you know brian's talked about it a ton i think you have as well where going into some weeks it seems like notre dame's not as locked in as they should be right like it's kind of looking forward and kind of looking past some programs right so coming into those unlv weeks those navy weeks and being locked in and i I don't want to say like this is an old expression some people might take it the wrong way but like putting your foot on their throat right like like not showing them any any, you know, just playing down to their level, right? right. Like I I think that that's big for me. And it's something that always frustrated me at times in the Brian Kelly era, where it just did not seem like in some of those lesser opponent games, quote unquote, that they're just not as locked in. So those, those games will be a big indication for me. I want to see, because right. I mean, because coach Freeman right now is, is preaching that every week's the same and we're going to attack them and we're going to attack them and do all that type of stuff. Well, that's where you prove it right there is those games that are perceived as lesser opponents. You need to bury them early and yep. not not show that mercy. You know, Right, exactly. And that was – you're right. I think that that was one of, uh, you know, Brian Kelly's faults is that he almost wanted to be Mr. Nice Guy a little too often. He, he really cared what other coaches thought of him. Um, and, and I think that that affected the way that he went about preparing for games and how he went about coaching in games. And – Look, games you're supposed to win by a lot, go ahead and win them by a lot. It's okay. Like that that's how sport is. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's a and, and look, I, I will admit that I I'm the same way because I've been on the receiving end of a butt whooping as a head coach, and I've been on the giving end of a butt whooping. And there's a fine line between, you know, going out there and embarrassing your opponent 
and up. Yeah. and going and winning the way you're supposed to. There there is a fine line there, and it takes experience and it takes a little bit of a killer, you know, attitude to be able to be the head coach that you need to be to get across what you need to get across. And it's not always about being liked by the other team. You know what I mean? That that can't always be the case. And so um, hopefully, and we haven't seen what Marcus Freeman is as a head coach. We don't know, you know, when he's going to take his foot off the gas and and things of that nature. But there are plenty of games on Notre Dame's schedule. We're going to be able to get an idea of the head coach Marcus Freeman and how he handles games that they're supposed to win by a lot. And Navy is one of those games where you should win by a lot. Exactly. No, it's, it's said perfectly. I, I want to see, I want, I, I personally is just a fan for a second, take off the analyst hat for a second. Sure, I want to, sure. I want to see a competitive fire every single week from a team, right? Like it's not something where like you're saying, I don't want them to just run it up. Like I'm not throwing like 50 yard bombs up by 40 points. Right. right. But if you are physically able to dominate a team, then physically dominate them. That's, that's just what the point blank period to it. I want to see, a team play to its best potential. And I feel right. like taking your foot off the gas doesn't teach them how to have a killer instinct. Like that, that hinders your team in a lot of ways. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Absolutely. No question about it. So I think we could both agree that Navy should not be a close game. Notre Dame should take care of business coming off of the Clemson game with Navy as the first game of the first quarter. Then things start to get a little bit interesting. Notre Dame comes home. They got their final home game of the season. It's against Boston College, which you could call it a junior rivalry if you wanted to. Um, You know, two Catholic schools going at each other. There's obviously a history from 93 um, you know, all of the different things that you can talk about with Boston College and Notre Dame. So I, I would consider it like a junior rivalry. Uh, it's not a mat, it's more of a rivalry to Boston College, I think, than it is to Notre Dame. Uh, you know, the big brother, little brother thing, that kind of scenario. Um, but you add in that Phil Jakovic is coming back as a starting quarterback, first time back in Notre Dame Stadium since he left. So there's that whole angle. And look, there's talent on this Boston College team. And Phil Dracovic is a playmaker and we have made no bones about the fact that we think we, me, me Brian, I, I don't know your opinion on Phil. Uh, I was a big Phil Dracovic fan. I, I thought Notre Dame didn't handle that yeah. situation very well. And he's going to have revenge on his mind. Now from a Boston college standpoint, that can't be the only way he's looking at this game. He's going to have to play within himself, et cetera, et cetera. But man, the senior day and all of these different things go into this game. You welcome Phil back, and um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting game, that's for sure. And if Notre Dame isn't careful, this one could get away from them. And I think that for me, I think this of the fourth quarter, this is the trap game. Like this is the yeah. one you're looking ahead potentially to USC, who mm-hmm. is a media darling, all of those different things, and in comes, you know. Uh, workhorse, you know, lunch pail, Boston College, and, you know, they can do some things to you. Yeah, and it's also going to be senior day, obviously, right, because that's the Mm -hmm. last home game. So, I mean, there's a lot of distractions for that game a little bit. There's the media stuff around Phil Dracovic's return, like you said. There's senior day. There's maybe a look ahead to USC if you're in a good position from from a record standpoint for a playoff run. Like, there's a lot of things that could be – very distracting to a team going into the week. Again, I think this is another game where it's a big indicator of the culture and how the coaching staff is attacking these week-by-week assignments, right? So it's an interesting game because this is not the traditional Boston College in a sense where it's just like, I mean, they're always going to have that that lunch pail grinded out type Absolutely. of approach because they, I mean, they just put multiple offensive line into the NFL last year. They have another kid named Christian Mahogany who's going to be another draft pick most likely next year. And they have a good running back Garwo who's coming back as well, ran for over a thousand yards, but you also have a guy like Phil Dracovic who can be a dynamic player in the passing game. And you also have Zay flowers coming back who yeah. outs. I mean, 
honestly, I, I, I Jordan Addison's the the Bolitnikov Award winner coming back, and he's obviously at USC now, so he's the best player, at least college player, on your schedule. But Zay Flowers is a, a dynamic player, so there's some speed more than usual, I think, on Boston College, at least a wide receiver. So your defense is going to have a tough matchup now. About the offensive line, I know we're not breaking this down like too intently, but yeah. they're losing they're losing four out of five offensive sure. linemen, so you should have an advantage there. But this is a Boston College is always going to come in and ready to play. Like you said, they have the chip on their shoulder a little mm-hmm. bit when they go against the Notre Dame because they are looked at, at as a little bit as the younger brother. And then you have Phil coming back. I'm sure. I mean, I mean, what was it two years ago at Notre Dame Stadium too, right? Where I, I think he was. It, it, was dismantled right like they had a terrible shot i mean phil had some nice plays early but then right notre, notre dame rolled him a little bit right i so, forgot about that to be honest yeah with you. yeah yeah so i'm sure his last go around here he's gonna want a great showing he's got some talent at wide receiver he's got a talented running back i think it is a trap game because i think that you have a lot of distractions that week sure yeah it, it, obviously chief among those is going to be you know senior day and, and all of that but it would have been Phil Jakovic senior day as well, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So um, this game, you know, I always get up for Boston college just because I remember 1993 so vividly. Um, So it's a game that I want Notre Dame to take care of business from a talent level, from a team talent level, from a most likely, you know, what the record will be at that point uh, in the season. Notre Dame should take care of business. It shouldn't be a thing, but the off the field stuff, that's real. You know, I mean, there's still plenty of guys on this Notre Dame team that were teammates with Phil Dracovic, right? So, I mean, that's part of it. That'll always be part of it. You know, Brian, obviously the coaching staff is completely different, but if you look at Boston College schedule coming into this game, I mean, let's be honest, there's plenty of opportunity for wins for Boston College. I mean, they play Rutgers. Virginia Tech, Maine, Florida State, Louisville, Clemson, Wake Forest, Connecticut, or UConn, uh, Duke, NC State going into the Notre Dame game. There's a lot of wins on that schedule, in my opinion, for Boston College. So there's a chance BC could be ranked at this point uh, You know, in the season. I think your point about the offensive line is a really, really good one. Replacing four out of five offensive linemen is never an easy task, uh, but we know they're going to have a pretty decent tight end. We know they got a speedy guy at wide receiver, and we know we got a playmaker at quarterback. That can mask a lot of things um, if you're Boston College. I see a lot of wins on this schedule, and then they close things out with Syracuse after the Notre Dame game. Um, this could be a, a decent matchup, but again, you would expect Notre Dame to win. I'm not going to pick Boston College to win. But there's just a lot of pieces and parts to this game that I think make it interesting. Yeah, I mean Notre Dame's the more they're the more talented team, and you're at home, right? So yeah, it, absolutely there. You, you forgot, uh, man. I probably forgot about George Takis, your boy. It's gonna yeah. be uh, his George Takis revenge game too. That's man. right, so man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I always, I always do really appreciate the Boston College games. I feel like they usually have just competitive football games for the most part, right? So it should be fun to watch. And there's a lot of layers to it but i agree kind of just looking at you kind of get a easier win potentially in navy and then you have to look forward to the season finale against usc the next week that is a perfect trap game you know the byu game in this game i think byu is probably gonna be a better team but they feel similarly in the fact that they could trip you up no i completely agree with that and then also where it lands on the schedule right because you know with byu it's sandwiched in between Stanford and North Carolina. We still don't know a lot about North Carolina yet. We don't know a whole lot about Stanford. And then you place the BYU game in Vegas. That adds a whole other level of things. Um, and then the Boston College game being sandwiched between Navy and Southern Cal, last home game, all of those different things, the returning of those guys. So th- there's a lot of layers to this Boston College game. Again, I'm not picking Boston College to win this game by any stretch of the imagination. I think realistically Notre Dame's a double digit winner of this game. If not two touchdowns, um, I I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, But that's the definition of a trap game, right? It's, it's a game where you could look past it. There's off the field things you got to think about. There's returning players that used to be on your team. There's all these different layers. It's the definition of a trap game for Notre Dame. 
now you're absolutely correct. Sorry, I couldn't find the uh, mute, uh, mute button again. It's okay, yeah. man. It's uh, it is a. It's always a because there's a little rivalry there, right? Like I, sure again, I, I, sure. I subscribe to to your thought that it's definitely more of a rivalry from Boston College's perspective than Notre Dame's. But I, I mean, I think that you're you're going to catch Boston College at the end of the season. So in theory, the offensive line should have itself worked out a little because I mean they. They're losing their their offensive line coach Matt Applebaum to the uh, Matt Applebaum to the NFL. He went to Miami this offseason. so he's been a good offensive line coach over the last couple of years. But historically, Boston College has done a good job reloading and developing offensive linemen, so they should be better at that point. But to your point, I mean Notre Dame is just a more talented team, so right, right. I, I think two two touchdowns makes a lot of sense. Maybe three scores if you push it sure. a little bit there, but yeah, it, it should it should be a convincing win for Notre Dame. But there are some distractions to think about for sure. Absolutely. So then, obviously, we talked more about USC at the beginning. We went a little bit backwards. Uh, but then you finish off the fourth quarter and the season going out to Southern Cal, playing USC. Yep. It's anybody's guess what USC will be at the end of the season. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Could they be a 500 team? Could they be a couple games over 500? You know, this is the final game of the season for both USC and Notre Dame. So this is a a bit of an exclamation point uh, for Notre Dame potentially, because I think going into this game, I think worst case scenario, um, you know, they're nine and two going into this game, in my opinion, worst case scenario. And then of course they, they could be 10 and one, they could be 11 and no at this point. Um, But I think worst case is they've got two losses, which makes this game huge. If they've got any losses on their sheet going into the final game of the season, it makes the USC game that much bigger because they're playing for something, right? right? And it's the last opportunity for Notre Dame to show whoever, the voters, the, you know, whatever, the public, the national talking heads, it's their last opportunity to show them anything as it relates to Notre Dame. Uh, because then you've got conference championships and all these other different things and Notre Dame is not going to have an opportunity to play in. So this is it. This is their last chance. So, they have one loss or two losses. I still feel that they're playing for something. Two losses is going to be a little bit harder. Yep. One loss, you're definitely in the mix at that point. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Notre Dame not to be up for this game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, would, I would just be very disappointed if they weren't for some reason. You know, yeah. I think I think for USC, we haven't really talked about this much, but it's definitely better for them that Notre Dame has not seen them to the, to the last game of the season comparative to early in the season. Cause you would think that things would be meshing and gelling at that point. Right. But it's just, tough. it's really tough for me to think that USC is, is even though it's a home game, even though you're going out to LA and you have the night game atmosphere, most likely, I know it hasn't been announced right. yet, but I would think that that would be a pretty prime time type of affair. You would think if USC is so. decent, if they're right. good, then absolutely. But I really, I really find it hard to believe unless there's just a massive improvement offensive line and defense wise that they're going to be a team that could legitimately just take the game against Notre Dame. I think it'll be competitive for a while because again, you have a lot of athletes at USC with Jordan Addison and Mario Williams and Caleb Williams and the running back die, I think transferred over from Oregon. There's a lot of talent in that in, on that team, but I just think the deficiencies are where you would think Notre Dame would typically be able to take advantage of you right so right. like that's again we'll see what they're looking like but i'm just a little hesitant to believe in usc at this point yeah i i definitely am not a believer in usc i think lincoln riley will eventually get them back to where they will be in the discussion um but this year for sure i'm going notre dame on this one i, I think they close out the season in in pretty good fashion uh, do I think it's going to be a blowout? No, I'm not saying that at all. I think I think USC could potentially keep it close. But this is all, you know, predicated on the fact that USC is in a good place going into that last game. You know, who knows what this team is going to be? Again, we've said it. Um, if, 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 if they're spiraling, then Notre Dame needs to go in there, and you said it before, put their foot on their throat and take it. You know, I yeah. mean, that, that, that's what they've got to do. Um, but if, you know, if they're, if they're coming into it from a competitive place uh i believe they're coming off of the ucla game as well yeah they've got ucla right before notre dame which i think is very interesting as well because that's a bigger rivalry for usc than notre dame from the way i understand usc fans um so they're going they're go. they've got back-to-back pretty big rivalry games 
uh, for the Trojans. So, you know, what are they going to be coming off that UCLA game? Are they going to be high because they just got a, you know, a big win over UCLA or did they just get pounded by UCLA and they're kind of limping into the Notre Dame game? So a lot of potential storylines coming into that game. But I think from a Notre Dame side of things, you are playing for something at that point. Unless things go completely awry from the way we think this season's going to go for Notre Dame, you're going to be playing for something. And so you've got to go out to California, take care of your business, and get out of there with no more losses than you had going in. And I think that's the biggest key. Yeah, and I think there's also – I mean, I talked about the perception aspect of it, right? No matter if USC is good or not, for it's still a, a – nice victory to go out to Southern California and be able to beat a a team like the Trojans. Right. So I think that you have that layer to it as well, but again, it's a rivalry game for Notre Dame. So I don't think that you're going to have to worry about them getting up for the game. Like I trust the staff to be able to work through those emotions and to be able to prepare the team. Right. We have obviously have to see it a little bit, but just from everything that you're hearing and just how it seems to be moving towards, at least from a, a competitive atmosphere perspective. I imagine that they won't need much to get up for that game. And especially if, I mean, if they're sitting at 10 and one or 11 and zero, oh. I, I would, I would be very disappointed if they needed any other parts of them to be, you know, to get up for that game. I think that should just be kind of ingrained in you at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the fourth quarter, uh, arguably the toughest quarter, but I think depending on how some things can shake out throughout the season, that could change for sure. Um, and, and Brian may disagree with me on that one as well. He, he does that a lot. Um, but, um, he's a jury duty, so it's our opinion and that's what matters today. But, uh, uh, this potentially could be the hardest quarter of the season, but it also could very well end up being one of the easier ones, depending on how things, you know, shape up throughout the, the, uh, the college football season. So those are our quarter shows. We, you can go back into the archives, check out our first quarter show, second quarter show, third quarter show, Today was our fourth quarter show. 